What up, what up? It's Tremaine here. Our boy Kev is on sabbatical. Should be coming back to Detroit in a couple of days. Um, so it's just me. I'm holding down the fort here on skeptics over everything. So I hope everybody had a good week. Hope the work week treated you well. The weather's treating you well as well. We've dealt with some pretty stupid weather this week. We dealt with 40 degree weather and 80 degree weather. I need harp to get it together. Okay. All right. So we're going to touch on a couple topics. Um, Keep it light. This is my first podcast on my own, but it's all good. Um, looking forward to this opportunity is to connect with the audience. So with that, let's jump right in. So the first thing that's been really on my mind, of course, is jumping on sports, is this whole NFL draft, NFL draft 2022 which is right around the corner. So basically on Thursday, that's when it all begins. All the fun will start. So the Lions, if you know or do not know, are holding the number two, the number 32 pick, the number 34 pick, and they have two third round picks. One that is just their natural pick and the last one is a compensatory pick for letting our free agents walk away. So there's a lot of talk with this second pick. And uh, ironically, me and Kevin were talking about this for the past few weeks off and on. And he was just wondering how you know, the Lions should use this second pick. And as much as I'm a fan of the black quarterback, Malik Willis does look like he could be somebody that possibly turns into a pretty dynamic playmaker. Um, uh, we'll see. I have, I'm a little skeptical, ironically, about him. I do feel like he's an individual that is quick to run. And I, I, I really don't, I'm not a fan of quarterbacks like that. Um, I think I like a quarterback that can run, that is mobile, but not one read and then run. Basically, they're looking for their first receiver to throw it to. They're covered. I'm taking off. I don't, that's not NFL football. You can't really win a Super Bowl like that just yet. Um, but they did work with this guy during the senior bowl. He has a great personality. I will say that. He he seems like a, a guy that your team, are, but he, he's behind that. In my opinion, it's not even going to be ready next year. I think He's somebody you sit behind Jerry Goff probably for two years. And I have a problem with that because potentially um, we're just assuming that they have two years. And in the NFL, you really don't. I do think Martha Ford is going to give Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes more of a chance than other previous regimes have had with the Lions. But that's all until Lions fans are sick and tired. So I don't, I don't, I personally don't feel like they have two years to wait on a quarterback. Um, it, so for me, you know, if Aiden Hutchinson falls, no brainer, pick up the dude. The second, is this how I would go in? Um, probably Kayvon um, Thibodeau. 
who I'm a big fan of. I have an issue with some of the negativity he's getting from the media. Um, he's a guy that's into NFTs and crypto. He's into his brand. He's a millennial or, or Generation Z, whatever he is. So I'm, I'm not really as worried about those things as other people are. And, I, and not to make this a racial thing, I don't know if this was uh, a, a defensive player of another race. Would you still hear this? So I think some of the goofiness that happens with uh, NFL players um, is is kind of is overblown. Um, this guy, he's clean. He never committed a crime. He did nothing crazy to a woman. And you're just fussing over his desire to invest in crypto and his desire to uh, have NFTs in his brand. And that's goofiness. This dude has been a beast since he came into college football and I think a lot of the foolishness is going on right now is just to see to make sure he falls. I think you have some teams that really want him to be um, somebody that they can draft. So I think that's where a lot of this crap is coming from. I do feel like it's probably some scouts that feel this way, but that's not this guy's game. So I really feel like, you know, it's unfair. Um, I don't feel like we should always have these, um, putting these players under unfair microscopes for whatever reason. I mean, if the guy's clean, played well, never had any issues, and the only thing you have to talk about is that he likes NFTs and crypto, man, come on. So it, it looks like you don't like an intelligent player. And I don't, I don't like that. I think that's, that's kind of catty. I think it's a little ridiculous. But yeah, you know, um, that's what happens with the NFL. And then in April, you also get a lot of, they call it silly season for a reason. You have a lot of teams just throwing false information out there to just kind of throw off the other teams that may be drafting. They want people to overthink and not pick the best players at this point, because when you get to April, everybody has over scrutinized every player at this point. Um, and that works against some GMs and scouting departments, you know, they start hearing a the noise, they go to the tape and they look for the crap that they're hearing from um, other scouting departments and they make it a reality and it happens. And then you see players falling a lot further than they should. And then they become steals in the NFL. And um, I think that's going to happen with Kayvon. I don't know if he's going to be an all pro player. I think his personality will allow him to get a couple of pro bowls as long as he's um, not injured. But at the same time, no, I think it's kind of goofy to uh, keep up some of this, these rumors about some of these players so they can conveniently fall down into the right team's arms. So, um, so outside of that, I mean, Kayvon is option B. I'll take Aiden Hutchinson over him. If, if he's available after that, um, is there anyone else that I would see as number two? Mm, probably not. I don't really see somebody that I would be okay with. Uh, I think everybody else would be a reach. I think another player that's being talked about ad nauseum at number two is Trayvon Walker, who I think is a good player, but um, he's one of these individuals that goes into the NFL combine and blows it up. This happens every year. And all of a sudden this player becomes a top 10 guy. And that's just not, to me, that's bad scouting. 
I don't I and I can't tell you off the top of my head, but in most situations, these individuals that are uh, combine kings don't turn out to be all pro players. Now, you do have players that do well in the senior bowl and they'll turn out to be all pro players. But the scouting combine is just really verifying what they are on the field and maybe make you go back to the tape to see if they are who you thought they were. Maybe they're not who you thought they were, but um, it shouldn't be a situation where you're moving a player up just because he runs fast and draws. That's just, that's goofy, man. The combine itself is just, (laughs) I think the combine is not good. Um, I don't think it's a good I don't think it's needed anymore. It may be controversial. I really don't feel like you need to combine. I think the only thing that's valuable is medical at combine, but the actual, the 40 and the drills, I don't think that's really, I don't think that holds any weight because a lot of those drills show lateral quickness, speed, agility, power to that, to a certain extent, but it, it doesn't always translate to the field. And then sometimes you, you, you look at these numbers and you turn somebody who is an average undeveloped player into to a superstar. And that's why I think the combine isn't needed. I think it just causes for a lot of these scouting departments to over scrutinize who these guys are. And, you know, you just got to go with the film in most cases and stop trying to be the smartest person in your scouting department and find some gym. No one cares. Anybody cares about that mess is you picked up some dude from alpha buck, miss Mississippi that could run a four, two, and he does a, has a couple good plays. So, you know, you want to look like a genius, but when it's all said and done, he's out of the league in four years. Um, that's goofiness. Um, but it happens every year. So with the Lions 32nd pick, I'm open. I don't want them to draft a quarterback. Uh, I think if it was a situation, I think it's one guy that I probably would swallow, maybe two. So if Malik Willis dropped 32, which is not going to happen, I would I would be okay if they drafted him with that second first round pick. The second person is Matt Corral. It wouldn't be my first choice, but if he fell, I do think he has a lot to work with. Um, he does remind me a lot of Russell Wilson. He's an, he even has a lot of his game. I don't know if his arm is quite as strong, but he got a lot of Russell Wilson to his game, and I could see him being drafted at number 32. I don't think that's going to happen either, but that's it. That's it. I think the Lions need to work up the middle of that defense. So with that 32nd pick, either get a middle linebacker. If N'Kobe Dean falls, maybe Quay Walker or um, Lewis Sign. Ironically, I think everybody was on Georgia that I just mentioned. Um, um, What's the other? Devin Lloyd played for Utah. I think he's okay as well. But I think they need to just solidify up the middle of that defense. Some guys that can cover, some guys that can, you know, you know, make some plays, some big hitters. So with the 32nd pick, um, I think I'll still be okay with a wide receiver. I don't think it'll be a wide receiver at that caliber worth that pick. Maybe a couple guys, but probably not. So I think defense will be the look there. Um, and then with that 34th pick, maybe grab my man. Alec Pierce, who has Jordan Nelson written all over him. It's so racist because both of them are white. But the dude is a beast. Played for Cincinnati. I kind of want to see him um, as a lion. I think he'll be a good fit. He kind of gives me um, a guy that can be 
He's definitely an outside receiver. He gives you some possession, but he got outside big man receiver speed. Yeah, I'm 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 here for him. You know, I think that'll be a good pick. So if we ended up with um, safety middle linebacker, which would probably be a safety if I had to choose with either 32 or 34, because that's that's a need. And then um, picking up Alec Pierce at one of those, I'll be okay with that. So in a linebacker or safety, and then Alec Pierce. And I think we're good. I think with that, I think the sky's the limit with the next two, three, with the next two picks in the third round. I think you can do a lot with that. I mean, whatever that may be, go in a lot of different directions. So that's what I'm looking for. I think this is going to be a good draft for the Lions. I still don't think when it's all said and done, the season, is going to make a difference. I still don't see them making the playoffs, but I see seven wins. I see them capping at eight wins. Um, and that's it. I don't see this team winning 10 games, particularly because um, our defense needs to get better fast. And I think what's going to happen is that the defense is going to take a step up, but they're still going to get exposed in some games. And because of that, we're going to lose. We're going to be competitive and, and pretty much all of them, but because we don't quite have the horses, it's not going to result to us actually having um, enough wins to make the playoffs, but we'll see. I don't think, I think we'll be more competitive too, because the NFC North is going to be terrible. Um, I think Green Bay is going to run away with it, but I don't see them winning more than 11 games. Um, Minnesota will be competitive, but you know, I don't think they're going to win any more than eight or nine games. They're going to just miss out in the playoffs. The Bears are either going to be just as bad as we are or a little bit worse than we are. So um, I don't see anything happening with them either. So the NFL and the NFC is going to be up for grabs. I, I, so I'm backtracking a bit. I forgot how many players went over to the AFC. So it could be pretty competitive in the NFC this year. Um because you have so many stars that are on the AFC side. So we'll see. All right, switching gears. Talking about a couple of topics that have been on my mind. Um, I think one is the shooter in New York. Still talking a little bit about Will Smith, DJ Envy and his situation, and really just the health of black men in general um, and what's being portrayed. Uh, in the media these days. So just to kind of give you some background, I think everyone may have known of the situation. So definitely prayers out to everyone who was involved with the shooting um, in New York, but um, had a gentleman who um, was dealing with some, he was dealing with mental issues. He was also having some, I think some problems in general was just with everything that was happening when it came to the mandates, New York. And, um, he basically decided to go on a shooting spree after panicking on in the subway, like in the, almost basically in the middle of the afternoon. I think it was in Queens. It was scary. Um, something that happened to me that I didn't even, that was crazy is I was talking to somebody at work. So I had a client I was working with. Um, I gave her a call and she was shook up and I didn't know what was going on. And she told me, she was like, it's been this mass shooting and I'm just not in the mindset to have this call right now. I was, I'm, I'm like, absolutely. Let's reschedule. 
We'll talk later. So I immediately go to the web. And to my surprise, I'm like, this is crazy. You know, so for her, before she got off the phone, she was telling me that it was right around her daughter's school. So you can imagine how shook she was about the situation. So, yeah, that situation was was crazy. And it just makes me think of, in general, what's kind of happening with the mental health of a lot of Black men. I just feel like spiritually they are under attack. Um, It's just some crazy stuff going on, you know, with Will Smith and his outbursts. And it wasn't just the smack that grabbed my attention about how weird the situation was. It was his acceptance speech. And he just didn't seem like a man that had it all, right? He seemed like a gentleman that was losing it. And we're seeing more and more of this. I mean, I feel like, unfortunately, um, over the past year, I've heard about more situations of suicide with Black men. It's been crazy. And I do feel like, in general, we're getting it from every which way. You know, we're under attack for, you know, being husbands and fathers, uh, workers, just men in society in general. Um, and I think it's just taking a toll. And I think, and, and don't get me wrong, I think it's affecting everyone, but it's just what we're seeing right now on TV. Even to piggyback off of Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins was a great um, player for the Buckeyes. Pretty good quarterback. Uh, came out a little early, I think, but he had a lot of ability. It wasn't the greatest quarterback class, so I understood why he came out when he did. Drafted in the first round, he was picked up in the teens by the commanders. So he had some maturity issues, didn't really catch on um, as being the starting quarterback for the commanders. Um, but they were the Redskins at the time. I'm The commanders thing is weird. But um, he eventually ended up getting cut and then picked up by the Steelers. So. It was a good opportunity for him. So Ben Roethlisberger was definitely at the end of his career and they needed an heir apparent. So this looked like this could be a good, a good chance for him to catch on with a good organization, with a great coach, uh, some great weapons, and possibly become the next starting quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? So a story that seemed like you are going to have a situation of um, a rags to riches story almost in the NFL. Well, things didn't really go well for him there. Um, he had a lot of competition for Mason Rudolph, who was already a backup quarterback. So he ended up being number three. The COVID year also affected him as well. So this year, when he had an opportunity to maybe take that next step, the Pittsburgh Steelers, after Ben Roethlisberger retires, picks up Mitchell Trubisky. Mitchell Trubisky is Sam Bradford. Um, he just always going to get looked at as possibly being a, a Pro Bowl quarterback that doesn't have Pro Bowl ability, but I digress. So uh, basically that just moved Dwayne Haskins right down the, down the uh, quarterback ladder again. Maybe he will have an opportunity to be number two, but you're not going to pay Mitchell Trubisky to come in to be um, a backup quarterback. He's not even getting paid backup quarterback money. So basically it's his job to lose. So the story comes out that Dwayne Haskins has died. Then we get more information and realize he was trying to cross a highway and was hit by a truck. And that's, to me, um, was strange. So, 
you know, after even talking with Kev, Kevin about it, I was like, is this, did this guy commit suicide? And maybe the NFL, maybe his family is just trying to keep that information from being public because it's not a good look. The Steelers as well. The Steelers might be trying to keep that information from coming out because um, there has been a lot of suicide and um, that type of behavior with NFL players. And a lot of us think it's tied to CTE. But I think when it comes to Dwayne Haskins, it was a situation where he he probably felt like I'm in this situation again. You know, I'm not able to be a starting quarterback. I'm not sure what I did wrong. I'm not good enough. And it makes me wonder, did he try to take himself out? So um, it was sad. You know, it was sad to hear because he's a young guy. He was 24, I think about to turn 25 or 25, about to turn 26 in another week. And then this happens. And then um, we have this situation with uh, DJ Envy. Oh, my goodness. Boy, I tell you, our Black women in some of these relationships just, oof, I don't know what's going on. I think Black women are dope, but we have a couple of them that need to be reviewed at this moment. This, this young lady here, well, she's not a young lady. She's probably my age, but they've been married. They've known each other since high school. And she's interviewing with one of these celebrity rumor blog sites. I don't know, Media Takeout. I think it might have been The Shade Room or Bossip. I don't know. But they have a book that they wrote together just talking about their marriage and their journey to getting married and staying married. So she's talking about relations with him in bed, relations with him in general. And she basically says that she's been faking orgasms for like 14 to 15 years. And I mean, and that's one thing, and I understand, you know, women, sometimes that happens, right? You know, you know, the having a woman reach orgasm can be difficult. It's, it's difficult for them. Sometimes it's difficult for the dude to have them do that. So I understand it from that capacity. But to me, when you're married, right, this is your covering. This is the way I look at it. So this is me getting biblical. This is your covering. You know, husband and wife, you're there to protect each other. And there are some things that I feel that should be private and others that may not be private. So if, you know, your husband or your wife is committing bodily harm to themselves or to others, mentally or physically, then, yeah, you should share that information. But when we have um, but when we're talking about things that are happening in our marriage, like our growth. So it really came down to a capacity in so many words where she needed to teach him what she wanted. That should just stay in the bedroom. Like, what are you getting out of shaming your husband besides clout and notoriety? To me, I thought that was weak. But then, you know, he looked broken. <laughs> he looked broken. And, and in some of these, and these are happening more in these celebrity relationships, it's kind of ridiculous what we're seeing. You know, we're seeing these individuals and some of um, are the, the women in these relationships using these moments for themselves, kind of putting the family to the side. And I do think it's having an effect. Now, I don't know if it's going to be so bad where DJ Envy does a Will Smith or something even worse, but he looked broken from it. He, it was crazy to see something like that. So um, I say all of that is that, you know, I think us as the people, we need to check on one another. I am huge on that. You know, I understand the importance of mental health. I think with us coming out of the pandemic, uh, we have individuals who are, who've suffered and maybe suffered silently. I think my people, we're very prideful as well. So we don't talk about those things. 
Um, crazy enough, because of that, we don't know when a brother or sister, but just stick with the brothers for right now, need help. And I think we need to be more open about having these conversations um, because it's super taboo. Black people are amazing, but we are definitely a survival of the fittest type group. So, you know, the strong eat the weak. And I think it's because we're a minority in America, but um, we, we do need to be, especially us Christians, need to be more of a brotherhood and sisterhood um, in these moments instead of treating others like what's wrong with this person and shying away and then being surprised when something bad happens. So I say all of that is just check on your peoples, <laughs> check on your peoples, love on your peoples. You know, stop, um, you know, stop automatically labeling individuals because you don't know what they're going through and what they've been through. Um, use a lot of these stories that are in the media um, right now. I'm a little saddened with all the black faces I'm seeing right now in the media from some of these occurrences that's going on in the world. So, you know, we can't do so much about the celebrities, but you can do do things about the people you love. All right. Moving on here to another topic that's been near and dear to my heart and still stand with my community. Whew, what is going on with the battle of the sexes? This whole manosphere, modern woman foolishness that's going on these days. Like it's, it's just gotten to a point where I don't know what value is coming out of the conversation. Um, I don't know what, what are we trying to get from it? I don't know if we're trying to grow from it or I don't know if it's a situation where we're trying to learn from one another. I really don't know what our ultimate goal is besides attacking one another. So I think the pioneer of the whole high value man conversation, and don't get me wrong, I do feel like in a lot of ways he was spot on. But Kevin Samuels is like the godfather of black, the black manosphere. Um, I think he had a pretty good message for both parties. I do think a lot of it falls on blind ears. And I think people get so offended when they hear something they don't like. They spend a lot of time on that particular subject. So, for example, when he says a woman is average at best and people feel like he, he hates black women. And I think, in my opinion, it has nothing to do with hatred of black women, but you do have some black women who don't realize that, you know, they are dope, but they're not Beyonce, but you're acting like you're Beyonce. And there's nothing wrong with having a strong sense of security if it's not a false sense of security. So I think we have a lot of situations where um, a lot of our women, they're acting like they are extremely confident, but it's coming out of their insecurity. So the issue with that is that it's not sustainable. And I honestly feel the men are doing the same thing. I don't think the men are not guilty of it either. Um, I think our culture is very showy. So a lot of things that we do, we do to a very high extent for the opposite sex in our culture. So, you know, the cars we drive, the clothes we wear, the jewelry we wear, all of those things, you know, it's in our culture, it's a big part of 
who we are, right? And we do it for the opposite sex. But I think what happens at times that it removes the identity of who we are. So we become kind of a shadow of the person that we really are. And we're basically hiding behind all these materialistic things. So just to piggyback on this conversation, basically it's a lot of people who feel, well, they feel that men are, black men just aren't holding up to their bargain of being leaders in the home. But I think the problem with that, the black men are saying we want to be leaders in our home, but you also want to be a leader in the household. And in the household, you can only have one sounds so like the Highlander. There could only be one. <laughs> My God. But it's true. Like it, there, one thing that Kevin Samuel said a couple weeks ago that I thought was very valuable is that the mother leads the children and God leads the man. And then, and then the woman follows the man. And I was like, that's, that's, that's impactful, right? But that is being challenged a lot. Now, there's some issues with that when it comes to men as well, because we have seen a sharp decline in men in the church, right? Now, it's for a couple of reasons. You know, we do, at times we do feel like the church does cater more towards women than it does men. But the church's purpose is still still bigger than the individual that we feel they're catering it to. Like we have an obligation as men and and priests of our home to be in the church. So if it's truly, if it's true that we should be led by God, we need to be in a posture so we can hear from him as well. Sometimes that comes to church. Sometimes that comes at home. But I think that aspect of our culture as black men has gone missing for whatever reason. Right. Um, And I think there's a, it's a false conception here that we can't get God just outside outside of the church as well. So that's part of it. But we look at churches. Oh well, for, you know that's something that's been for women. We have some people saying it's the white man's religion, which is ridiculous, and that's from being the figureheads that I feel like we should be. Right. So with that being said, I do feel like there's a missing standpoint. There's a missing point with women as well. So since they are in church and they have become more of our leaders and they've grown as far as professionalism as well. Yeah, they deserve a say in your household. They do, but they shouldn't be leading your household. And I think that's where we run into issues. And that sounds like I'm being sexist, but it's not. I think it's, it has to be a certain level of trust and vulnerability in your marriage um, that you do believe that your man is going to lead you in the right direction. Um, there has to be enough trust and vulnerability as well to allow yourself to do that. And at times, um, that doesn't happen from a lot of our, our women. You know, they feel, they feel compelled to challenge that authority. Um, and some of it comes from the way they were raised. You know, our culture has been affected very deeply by fatherlessness in so many different ways, right? Um, We have a lot of kids who are growing up um, without fathers and mothers in the home or just mainly a mother in the home. And they're being raised out of a mindset, mind state where the women had to take both roles. So you have women who feel like that's the way they should navigate 
their household. But if you meet the right to be a clash, if he is trying to lead you properly, right? And just because of the way you may have watched your family move, you're subconsciously not willing to. I know, I know, you just got to be real here. But subconsciously, you got you got some women who are just to follow that man. Then it's going to be some issues. It's going to be some challenges. So with that, I do feel like you know, with this conversation of between a modern woman and a high value man, you know, I hope I hear more conversations about a resolution and what we should be doing, and then having conversations on coming together, and both accepting responsibility for who we should be, right? You know, and I think in these conversations, we're not doing that. We're not doing it at all. That's that. So I do want to talk about this Amber Heard, Johnny Depp situation. Um, I've been kind of keeping an eye on it. Not too heavily, but it has grabbed my attention since it happened. A couple of years ago, um, and I and this is why you know I have I am and I and I know Keb is as well. We are Johnny Depp fans. This dude is an amazing actor. He whatever he does, it's always a stellar movie. And of course, we're probably talking about Johnny Depp, late nineties, early to mid two thousands, just killing it across the game, no matter what he did. Um. And even I'm I'm nowhere near a Harry Potter fan. I love the villain that he played in the Fantastic Beast movie. I thought he was the lone <laughs> bright spot of that movie. I have a hard time with Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings. So that's just a me thing. But um, I thought he was a dope villain. So, you know, I heard of this situation and I really wasn't even familiar with Amber Heard. I didn't know who she was. But then as I, I saw Aquaman and realized that she played opposite of Jason Momoa in that movie. She was a heroine, um, supporting actor. Had a pretty big part. I thought she was pretty cool in that movie. But then this noise comes out initially starting that Johnny Depp might have been abusing her. And then immediately it switched and said, no, Amber Heard is the abuser. And it's crazy, the narrative for this, for this particular situation. I mean, you hear stuff that she cut his finger off, um, she wouldn't give him his meds. Um, he, he had an opi opioid addiction and she wouldn't give him his medication so he can basically go through withdrawal properly. Left him in his feet, left him in his own feces, just a bunch of crazy stuff. But then you also hear some noise from Johnny Depp's side, you know, him having moments where he's tearing up the house, drug use now, now. I wasn't shocked about the drug use. Johnny Depp, he gives me some cocaine vibes, okay? He gives me some cocaine vibes here. So it didn't shock me. And plus, it's highly weird, right? Um, you know, he admitted to having sessions with Marilyn Manson. Say no more. I mean, that right there. <laughs> I mean, Marilyn Manson is not the guy that most people typically hang out with, right? He's 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 an unusual, unusual guy. Um, but... You know, he's had some moments from his his drug and alcohol abuse. Now, I don't know if it was to the point where he was hitting her, but then the tapes come out on all these tapes. 
It's crazy, though, because before it happened, Johnny Depp is immediately being canceled. And this really happened at the height of Me Too. Amber Heard basically became almost a a spokesperson for Me Too. But then he had recorded some of their encounters in his home. I don't know through video camera or he had an audio device. Doesn't really matter. But in these in these in these recordings, she is man. She sounds crazy. She's you know talking basically talking to him as if he's a chick. Like you making me hurt you type stuff. And I'm like, this is crazy. But what blew my mind about this situation, they still did not believe they would not go with the narrative that she was the aggressor. You had a lot of outlets still still pointing to the fact that Johnny Depp was pushing her to this point, which we know is ridiculous because if the shoe was on the other foot, there's no in the world anyone would believe that Amber Heard was um, basically being beat. And it was Johnny Depp's fault. That's not a narrative that you will ever hear. Okay. Maybe if it was 1952 or something, you know, 1940s, you know, back in the day where, you know, things were a little bit different and had maybe had a little toxic masculinity going on back in that day. Right. But right now that wasn't the case. And even though these tapes were coming out, it still wasn't enough to vindicate this man he basically been removed from all of these major films. I think he said he lost $630 million combined over being canceled, which is crazy. So that makes you wonder how much he's already have, because I didn't know of him being in that many movies. He was taken out of the, um, the, the uh, Dumbledore, the sequel to fantastic beast. And I'm pretty sure he would have made that, but yeah, it was the whole situation with me too that it was overreactive. It was, you're guilty in the eyes of the public, so we need to remove you from your entire landscape. It doesn't matter if you're an actor, if you're a producer, if you're a singer, no matter if you're just a boss, right? If, if you look like you're guilty because we say so, then you're guilty. We'll worry about the courts later. So this affected Johnny, but now they're going through and he's um, suing her for defamation. And it's a crazy timeline Um, and some crazy details have come out to the point where, you know, while they were in their relationship, you know, it's videos of her, geez, oh Pete, cheating on him with Elon Musk, cheating on him with James Franco, both of who are who ironically James Franco has been canceled now for assaulting college girls or something crazy. Elon Musk is like <laughs> Lex Luthor right now in the media. Um, I can't figure him out. Um, I've always kind of been an Elon Musk fan, but of late, I'm just trying to really fill out what, who he is. He's the richest man in the world. And I think he's trolling the trolling everybody. He feels like I'm invincible and he might be, he's worth $255 billion. I mean, the dude got mad at Twitter and is trying to buy it now. If he's serious about it, I don't know. But, I mean, he is the major shareholder of Twitter. So it's some things about Elon Musk I like, but it's some things I'm a little questioning, like, hmm, got to be cautious. You don't know. Don't overanalyze. Don't become a fanboy. This dude might be off a bit. But I say all of that is that she's with this guy, and she's duplicating be- abusive, narcissistic behavior. And again, she's still being 
she's still being deemed innocent in some media outlets. They're, as soon as Johnny Depp does something, like she'll do five crazy things. So audio tapes will come out, videotapes will come out. You know, she'll have people that's, that work with her saying that she's a terrible person. And all of that is quiet. But the minute a video comes out of Johnny Depp destroying a house, and when I say that, he was destroying the furniture in the house, that's basically being utilized by major media. And what's crazy, and I don't know that as much about it, but I heard the reason he had this breakdown was because his mother died and she was egging him on during his time of, to mourn for his mom. And she was pushing his buttons and it caused him to pop. Now, do I feel like he might have laid hands on Amber Heard based off what I heard? Absolutely. I, 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 <laughs> I don't see him not shaking the crap out of her or something, something, putting a knuckle in her shoulder or something. He did something because she was pretty vindictive and mean. Um, I mean, to the point, it would have been a lot for a dude to be talking to another dude like that. So in my eyes, if, you know, if I heard two guys and I heard it was an interaction and I heard what the guy was saying to the to gentleman number two, yeah, I would think something popped off. Does that mean it was a good thing? Absolutely not. But um, she was she was going in on dude. You know, she was absolutely mean and vindictive to him. And I don't know if I thought for a while he may be able to recover from all of this. I really felt like, you know, he will, you know, have this defamation lawsuit, you know, with all of these tapes, these videos that he'll be vindicated and he'll go back to Johnny Depp. He have this big comeback tour. You know, he'll do some dope movies and he'll be the Johnny Depp as we know. Like I, first thing I'm thinking about, here comes Jack Sparrow. You know, he's been vindicated. Jack Sparrow is here. He is. Boom. The movie blows up. Everybody's going to go see it. Why is Johnny Depp? Everybody loves Jack Sparrow. We haven't seen Jack Sparrow in a while. We're here for it. But I don't know now. Um, I don't know. I, I do think he'll eventually come back, but I feel like it may be on some Sean Connery way, like way later on down the line type stuff. Like he's in his grace. Which is sad, um, but but cancel culture is just become so toxic and dangerous. We're automatically removing people from their life for something that looks bad. It may not be bad, but it just it looks bad enough that you're being taken away from your job or canceled as an actor or a singer, as I mentioned earlier. And I just, and it's gotten so bad that the originators of cancel culture, which is more on the progressive liberal side, have also become affected by it. I mean, look what happened with Whoopi Goldberg. She made a comment and I understand what she was trying to say. She wasn't trying to be malicious. This was about what she said about um, the, 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 about the Jew, about the Jews, excuse me. And they, ooh, she got yanked with the quickness. I'm talking about Apollo. Uh, Sandman pulled off the air. It was quick. And then, you know, she had to apologize a couple of times, almost to the point it looked a little like groveling, before she was let back on the air. I was like, man, that's crazy. You know, how we're moving so quickly. And this is a woman who crusades for everything 
um, on the left or liberal or progressive. She is she just shoots everything down that disagrees with it. But the minute she says something they don't like. That's it. You're suspended. Um, but it's cancel culture is turned into a monster. It's just it's getting out of it's out of control. Um, I am worried about it trickling down. I think the one thing that is concerning to me um, is how that's going to affect Christians soon, which may already be happening. Um, and it just pivot away from Amber Heard and Johnny Depp into this whole what I feel about Christians being affected by it is I'm concerned. Like we have a couple, we have a situation. Lakers fired their coach. And Mark Jackson, who is a Christian, for some reason, he's been deemed as a as homophobic because of his Christian views. And it's a news article out there right now that he may not get the job because of his views on same sex marriage. And I have never seen Mark Jackson make a public comment about same sex marriage. But yeah, he is faithful about his Christianity. So I don't. I, it's, it's just crazy. Another person is Chris Pratt. He's another individual. So, you know, Chris Pratt, Star-Lord. Um, he's also was an amazing movie during the pandemic. It's on Amazon where he jumps into a, can't think of the name of it, but he jumps into a, a another dimension or no into the future to fight aliens. Amazing movie. Um, but he's basically been, is some, Noise out there on Twitter, and I say this like I have a Twitter. I don't, but this is how much noise is made. Now, he is a devout Christian. Um, I don't think he said anything publicly about his views on same-sex marriage, but he is Jesus first. So basically, because he's Jesus first, he's being attacked, again, by the left, um, progressives and liberals, asking him to be removed in his role as Star-Lord and replaced. Um, by another actor. I'm like, man, I feel like we're getting very Orwellian. We're heading towards, you know, a situation where I think pastors need to be prayed up. I do. We're getting really close. So, um, yeah, that was a couple of topics there. Amber Heard, cancel culture, all that goofiness. I'm going to wrap up with one thing because it's just, popped up in front of me and I have to talk about it because it was a pleasant surprise this week. The Batman movie. Wow. It was great. Um, it was a really good movie. So this is a movie stage early on in Batman's career. I think he's only been Batman for a couple of years. Um, he's dealing with a mass string of murders in Gotham. What else is new? Right. So, but this movie was done differently. So Batman has always played up hero versus villain, like to the extreme. Every Batman movie has, has been Batman, the savior put in, here's the blank enemy trying to take over Gotham, destroy everything. Like pretty much every movie, that's what it is. Now this movie has some of that as well, but the one difference He's a detective and it's dope. It's dope. It's, it's, it's a cool way to do Batman. Now, if you're a Batman geek, comic geek or whatever, you know, he's known as the greatest detective in the world. So 
we see a little bit of that. I, I jump back to um, Michael Keaton when he investigated and did his little smart man thing on the Joker and figured out who he was and basically blew him out in front of everyone and did the little scratching thing on the CD um, about who he really was as a person. And he wasn't, oh, you know what? That might've been, that might've been number two with the penguin. Yeah, that might, I think that might've been number two and he did that with the penguin anyway. But we haven't really seen Batman as this detective, as this Sherlock Holmes type guy. And that's what he did. He was, this movie was, the backdrop reminded me of a early 2000s, late 90s serial who did it type movie. So if you took Batman out and removed the action scenes, you could have threw Morgan Freeman in there and it would have been that type of movie. And it would have made sense for the most part. And to me, I love murder movies. Not, well, murder mystery movies, excuse me. I love murder mystery movies. Um, ironically, when I'm with my wife, I usually figure it out way before the end of the movie occurs, which always makes my wife chuckle. I mean, they all have it. Every murder mystery movie always tells you who the murderer is, probably within the first 15 to 20 minutes, right? You usually start off in the movie meeting who the murderer is. You just don't know that who that person is, but usually they all have that formula. Um, but this movie was done differently. It kind of gives you some seven type vibes a little bit, you know, um, it was good though. It, you know, it had the action scenes were really good. The one issue I have with it, um, he was a terrible Bruce Wayne, but to his defense, he wasn't Bruce Wayne that much. He was pretty much, 90% Batman through the whole entire movie. He had a couple spots where he was Bruce Wayne, but he didn't do any rich Playboy stuff in his movie. So I give him a pass. You know, he didn't really have enough time to develop to be rich Playboy Bruce Wayne at this point because he looked like a man that was still hurt over what was hap what had happened to his parents, right? He seemed like he was still in a mind state where he was dealing with being Bruce Wayne um, and his parents are gone, right? So he was a little disconnected from everyone. A little emo, but um, he was a good Batman. You know, definitely a really good Batman. I think it's, it's a hard job to follow up the previous Batman movies, um, but he's, you know, I think he's a trifecta with the greats, uh, you know, who they are, the Keatons and the Chris's of the world. He's a... Uh, He's, he did a good job. I was skeptical. I keep saying skeptical and it sounds so cheesy, but that's the name of this podcast. <laughs> but I was skeptical because, you know, I know him for Twilight. I've never seen a Twilight movie and it's probably his fault because he looks so teenage, you know, boy band type of European look that I wasn't really giving him a fair shake, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed the movie. Um, the biggest negative take it away, take away from the Batman movie. Too freaking long. It was too long. Too way, way too long. So for a murder mystery movie to be three hours, oh my God. It was, it took me a couple of days to get through it. Uh, my beautiful wife didn't make it through it at all. I do want to go back and watch it with her one week, maybe this weekend, next weekend. I do think if she pays attention to it, she'll enjoy it. But it's long, man. Like, I don't know if you can truly sit and watch that movie for three hours. It's, it's, 
it it's too much. Um, but I end up watching it over three days and I enjoyed it. Um, I, especially when I went back and rewound it and watched it from the beginning. And then, cause I, I got an hour into it and it was kind of in and out. So I said, let me just start it over. And then I watched the first hour and then continue to watch it. I think I watched another 30, 45 minutes and then wrapped it up the next day. So I end up watching like a series, <laughs> like I was binging Batman, the TV show, but um, it was good though. I was definitely engrossed by the end of it. The guy who played the Riddler was good. Colin Farrell was really good as Penguin. Um, the uh, the main villain was good. It was a good movie. I definitely recommend you give it at least one good watch. I mean, you could sit down and watch it on your own, but you may want to break it up. It may be into two days. Um, I could not ever imagine watching that movie in the movie theater. I wouldn't make it. It's, it I don't think, I think that movie was created with the understanding that it may never go to the theater. Even though that did change, I feel like in production, it was like, we need to make this movie. It's a huge chance it's never going to be in the theaters, but we need to make it good enough. So if it is streaming only, that people are going to come back, purchase and watch it. So that's what it reminds me of. Because movies like that um, usually don't, especially when you're starting off a new a new Batman franchise, That's they're not going to be that long, but this one did. But anyway, it was a good movie. Definitely go check it out. Um, you don't have anything to do this weekend. Go ahead and stream it. It's free on HBO Max. Um, so if you have that, go ahead and jump on it. If you don't have it, borrow a password. Can I say that? I know that's becoming taboo. Netflix, not going to jump into that. Netflix is dying. Maybe not dying, dying, but they're in a bad spot. <laughs> Netflix, they blame it on sharing passwords. Uh, wow. Who would have thunk it? But Netflix is about to lose my subscription too, because it, it costs more than what you get. I, I don't understand paying $20 for that. I'm not paying, I don't believe in playing a HBO price for the, the goofy content I get on Netflix. I mean, it's only a couple of shows that I really love on Netflix. Ozark, uh, Stranger Things. Mm. We did watch that uh, Annie TV show. They'll have shows that'll pop up here and there, but they only have like maybe, and I might be missing one, but definitely two off the top of my head. I'm like, I got to see these every year. That's Stranger Things and Ozark. Ironically, Ozark finishes up. Last season comes out next week. That's going to be exciting. Looking forward to that. So, but let me wrap this up. Let me wrap it on up, B. Um, but as always, we appreciate you. Give us some feedback. Um, what you felt about the solo episode. I wanted to throw my wife on, but we just, our schedules were conflicting with one another. My wife is uber busy. I was been, I've been busy at work too. So it's been more of a challenge. I honestly wanted to do two episodes while Kevin was out and um, it just, it was more of a challenge and I thought it would be. And then my son football season is coming up this spring. And of course he wants to practice every, every afternoon. So that takes up time as well. 
Shout out to my little homie. Shout out to my girls as well. Love y'all. Shout out to the wife. Shout out to Kev and Val and the kitties. Can't wait to see y'all. Y'all come back from Detroit this weekend. I know you had a great time in Revival. I'm jelly. Revival looked amazing. Ted Shuttlesworth was at, at the river. Shout out to Marlon, the pastor that I wish was in Charlotte. <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to wrap it up. You know, enjoy this weekend. We're getting some good weather. Love on your family. Check on a friend. Shoot us some vibes, something you want to listen to, something you want us to talk about here on Skeptics Over Everything, S-O-E. And we will catch you next week. We'll be back on our regular schedule. Me and Kev talking about the craziness of this world. So definitely talk with you, holla at you, and I appreciate you. Peace.